How's everybody doing today? My name is Christian Wagner and this is Militant Thomist. So today we're going to be getting into part three of the recent series I've started defending the incarnation from St. Thomas Aquinas from his Rationes Fidei, where he provides three short and basic uh, chapters defending the incarnation. Uh, the first chapter, which is chapter five of the work, it went over uh, the fittingness of the incarnation. That was just absolutely glorious. I love that. Part two was on um, the theology behind the incarnation. And then now we're going to get into the language of the incarnation, which is very, very important. Last yesterday, yes, it was yesterday, we gave a little bit of the theology behind the incarnation. Now we're going to apply that theology and how we use language about the incarnation, which is going to be very important um, in apologetics with Muslims. But before we get started, if you're new here, remember to subscribe. I much appreciate it. If you're old here and you really appreciate uh, what I've been doing, become a patron, patreon.com slash militantomist. Also in the description below, once this gets edited up, there should be a link to my Discord. Um, joining the Discord is very important just in case YouTube decides to nuke me. And uh, also, you can find me on Twitter at Militant Thomist, Facebook, Militant Thomist, and anywhere you want to find me. Also, Instagram. My Instagram game is a little weak, though, although I've been posting more memes recently. So um, that's all. Let's get going. I'm going to share my screen. The work is linked in the description. Rationes Fide, Chapter 7. And this is Isidore.co slash Aquinas. Very important resource. Um, also, Aquinas.cc is going to give you a lot of Thomas's works online for free in English. Um, the only thing is that it doesn't have an English is some of his homilies and then the commentary on the sentences, unfortunately, but very important resources. Okay, let us get started. So chapter seven, the meaning of the word of God suffered. So the background of this is going to be that in... Um, Classically, if you read St. Cyril and the Chalcedonian Fathers, the main contention during the Nestorian crisis was over the phrase uh, Theotokos, Mother of God. And um, Nestorius objected because uh, Our Lady only produced the human nature of our Lord. But Cyril's reasoning behind the fact that we can say Mother of God for Our Lady is the fact that that the predicate of that subject isn't a nature, but it's a person for the same reason that our human mothers only uh, produce the substance of our flesh, yet they're called, called our mothers due to the person who they produce because it's my flesh. It's a, it's a person's flesh, not necessarily flesh itself. So that's the logic behind it, but we're going to get into it a little bit more. And the same goes for saying the word of God suffered or as, um, St. Cyril said the word of God suffered impassively, or uh, we could also say that the word of God died or that simply God died. So let us get started. The foregoing shows that there is no contradiction in our professing that the only begotten word of God suffered and died. We do not attribute this to him according to his divine nature, but according to his human nature, which he assumed into the unity of his person for our salvation. So the few things going on here, we're denying first, that we attribute this according to his divine nature. So in the same way that we can say, um, I hurt my hand, I hurt, I would be saying that I hurt myself according to my hand, but the subject of that predicate is still me because it's my hand. 
in the same way that when we say that the word of God suffered, we say that uh, that God suffered, even though it was only um, according to his human nature. But we're denying that it's according to his divine nature because the divine nature remains impassable, impossible to suffering. And then the reasoning behind this is because of the unity of his person, because it is God's flesh that is suffering. It is God's human nature that is suffering. Because we predicate things according to, I mean, we predicate things to the person, although we can make these distinctions about whether it's according to the humanity or according to the divinity. Okay, but if someone objects that since God is almighty, he could have saved the human race otherwise than by the death of his only begotten son, such a person ought to observe that in God's deeds, we must consider what was the most fitting way of acting, even if he could have acted otherwise. Otherwise, we will be faced with this question in everything he made. Okay, and then right here we get into the crux of the issue because in in the first video of this series, we went over the fittingness of the incarnation. That the most fitting way, the best way, so to speak, that God could have saved us is by the incarnation of his son because he made all things through him. Therefore, all things should be saved through him. But um, some will object. As, as I said here, that, well, he could have just done it another way. He could have just snapped his fingers and forgiven our sins. And while that is true, St. Thomas admits, if we're going to play this game, we're going to play with everything that God does. So therefore, we should not seek um, what God could have done, but what he actually did and the most fitting ways in which he could have did it, which was how he did it. Okay, thus, if it is asked why God made the heaven of a certain size and why he made the stars of a certain number, a wise thinker will look for what was fitting for God to do, even if he could have done otherwise. So this game of, well, he could have done it otherwise is kind of stupid. Okay. I say this supposing our belief that the whole disposition of nature and all human acts are subject to divine providence. Take this belief away and all worship of the deity is excluded. Yet we argue presently against those who say that they are worshipers of God, whether Muslims or Christians or Jews. As for those who say that everything comes of necessity from God, we have argued at length elsewhere. Therefore, if someone considers with a pious intention the fittingness of the suffering death of Christ, he will find such a depth of knowledge that any time he thinks about it, he will find more and greater things. So that he can experience as true what the apostle says, we are preaching a crucified Christ. To the Jews, an obstacle they cannot get over. To the Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who have been called, whether Jews or Greeks, a Christ who is both the power of God and the wisdom of God, he continues, God's folly is wiser than human wisdom. So in our consideration of the incarnation, if you give the incarnation a fair shake and consider it or in, in the best of Christian theology, let's say we're reading the Chalcedonian fathers, such as St. Cyril, amazing, or we're reading St. Thomas Aquinas himself, or we're reading um, many of the modern authors writing about the incarnation. If we look at the Orthodox Catholic position on the incarnation, it is impossible that you do not find a depth of knowledge that at any time he thinks about it, you'll find more and greater things because this is everybody must admit. And St. Thomas makes clear the most fitting way in which this could have been done, that God suffering and dying is the best way in which humanity could have been saved as he proves above. So first of all, we must observe that Christ assumed a human nature to repair the fall of man, as we have said. Therefore, according to his human nature, Christ should have suffered and done whatever would serve as a remedy of sin. The sin of man consists in cleaving to bodily things and neglecting spiritual good. 
Therefore, the Son of God in his human nature fittingly showed by what he did and suffered that man should consider tempor temporal goods or evils as nothing, lest a disordered love for them impede them from being dedicated to spiritual things. So C, in suffering. Suffering, uh, in essence, is the foregoing of temporal goods for a greater spiritual end. For example, when you think of the martyrs, the martyrs, they're described as hating the things of the world and loving the things of God, that they do not regard the things of the flesh, but the things of the spirit. So in Christ, in his human nature, it was most fitting that in order to provide that example, in order to fulfill the fact that he loved all. God above all temporal things that he underwent suffering. It is impossible for him to fulfill our salva salvation without this suffering because it is most fitting. Thus Christ chose poor parents, although perfect in virtue, lest anyone glory in mere nobility of the flesh and in the wealth of his parents. So if you want to glory in your wealth, Christ chose poor parents. He led a poor life to teach us to despise riches. So if you want to hold on to your riches. Christ in his suffering despised those riches. He lived without titles or office so as to withdraw men from a disordered desire for those things. So if you think this life is about um, seeking after your own gain and being honorable among men, Christ was despised by all men. He underwent labor, thirst, hunger, bodily afflictions so that men would not be fixed on pleasure and delights and be drawn away from the good of virtue because of hardships of this life. So Christ showed an abundance of fortitude that even in the, even in the immense suffering he went over and the immense outward afflictions that he went through, still he persevered in goodness and virtue to show us that in our afflictions, that we are supposed to have fortitude, that we're not supposed to be weak. We're not supposed to um, be pushed around by every wind of bad things that happen to us, but we're supposed to have fortitude and we're supposed to overcome in order to seek the good as Christ did. In the end, he underwent death so that no one would desert the truth because of fear of death. And this is the ultimate victory really in the Christian life is that nobody can do anything to us, that they can even kill our bodies but they cannot kill our souls. And in the same way, Christ, he gave his body to die. So because to show us that the forces of this world do not have power over death, that even we can have victory over all things. So when we think about the early martyrs, the early martyrs died and were killed by um, the Roman authorities. And the Roman authorities were trying to win against the church. But really, the Roman authorities lost because Christians did not even care about dying. So in the same way, in a similar way, in an even greater way, God himself overcame death by death. Unless anyone fear a shameful death for the sake of truth, he chose the most horrible kind of death, that of the cross. Christ is our, as we see throughout this entire thing, our exemplar, our, the type of humankind, the perfect form in which we're supposed to conform to. Thus, it was fitting that the Son of God made man should suffer and by his example provoke men to virtue. So as to verify what Peter said, Christ suffered for you and left an example for you to follow in his steps. Then, because not only good conduct and avoiding sins is necessary for salvation, but also the knowledge of the truth so as to avoid error, it was sure for the restoration of the human race 
that the only begotten word of God who assumed a human nature should ground people in truth by a sure knowledge of it. Truth taught by men is not so firmly believed because men can deceive. Only by God can knowledge of the truth be conformed without any doubt. So the fact that the very crux of truth comes from the incarnation, because the very abundance of truth and truth itself is the being of God. So there is this transcendence, as we see in the Old Covenant, of, of God um, being above and only dealing through mediators such as Moses and Aaron and David and the prophets. But in the New Covenant, we have God himself, the truth himself, the word of God himself, giving us this truth in the means in which we can understand, which is in humanity. So this is the whole argument of Hebrews right here. So the Son of God made man had to propose the teaching of divine truth to men, showing them that it came from God and not from man. He did this by many miracles, since he did things that only God can do, such as raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, etc. People had to believe that he spoke with God's authority. Those who were present could see his miracles, but later generations might say they were made up. Therefore, divine wisdom provided a remedy against this in Christ's state of weakness. For if he were rich, powerful, established in high dignity, it could be thought that his teaching and his miracles were received on account of his favor and human power. So to make the work of divine power apparent, he chose everything that was rejected and low in this world, a poor mother and a poor life, illiterate disciples and messengers, and allowed himself to be rebuked and condemned even to death by the magnates of this world. This made it apparent that his miracles and teachings were not received because of human power, but should be ascribed to divine power. So in order, his suffering was in order that the truth of um, the truth of his teaching would become even more apparent because those who are high in this world, as I was just looking on, on Twitter the other day, and um, Cardi B spoke about the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Well, who cares what Cardi B says? Well, people care because she is high in this world. And for some reason, therefore, that makes her opinion more worthy to people. But Christ is the exact opposite of this. He is lowly in this world. He was despised, mocked, and crucified. Yet, 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 his teaching and his miracles still prevailed against the world. Thus, in what he did or suffered, human weakness and divine power were joined together at the same time. Thus, at his nativity, he was wrapped in cloth and put in a manger, but praised by the angels and endured by the magi led by a star. He was tempted by the devil, but ministered to by angels. He lived without money as a beggar, but raised the dead and gave sight to the blind. He died fixed to the cross and numbered among thieves, but at his death, the sun was darkened, the earth trembled, stones split, graves opened, and bodies of the dead were raised. And this just shows throughout the Gospels, when you read the Gospels, St. Thomas is giving you this hermeneutic right here, where you see the, the quote, paradox that is Christ, that every time you have this, these strong iterations of human weakness that he has, you also have these amazing examples of divine power right next to them, alongside one another, bringing human weakness up into the divinity to divine power using the humanity as an instrument of divine working. 
Therefore, if anyone considers the great fruit of such beginnings, namely the conversion of people over the world to Christ, and wants further signs in order to believe, he must be considered harder than a stone, <laughs> since at Christ's death even stones were shattered. Thus the apostle says the message of the cross is folly for those who are on the way to ruin, but on those who are on the road to salvation it is the power of God. And again, the the great fruit that comes from the divine power and human weakness. This is even seen in throughout the church in the apostolic band that you have illiterate men who are give who are besides themselves. There's divine power working through them as an instrument, bringing the entire world in submission to the gospel as we see throughout the history of the church. And in order to, uh, in order to, to deny these signs, you are, considered harder than a stone, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. Okay, somebody asked a question. Anselman, missed the start. What exactly is this text? St. Thomas on St. Isidore? Uh, yes, this is his Rationes Fide, where he uh, provides a few chapters of arguments against Islam in a uh, very accessible way. Yeah, it's on St. Isidore, and um, that's just the website. So it's St. Thomas Aquinas' Rationis Fide, or Reasons for the Week. And you can donate Bitcoin right there. Actually, don't donate Bitcoin. Become a patron. I don't think I take Bitcoin on Patreon, though. Actually, I, sh I should find some way to be given Bitcoin. There is a related point we should make here. The same reason of providence, which led Son of God made man to suffer weakness in himself, led him to despise, desire his disciples, whom he established as ministers of human salvation, to be abject in the world. So this incarnation, this incarnation is taken further because not only is the incarnation um, applied in time when it comes to the actual hypostatic union of God and man, but the incarnation is furthered. The incarnation is brought forth throughout history in the in the church, in the body of Christ. And the same can be said about the sacraments. So in the first ministers of of the Christian gospel, they too have this weakness which is which is used as an instrument of divine power. Thus, he did not choose the well-educated and noble, but illiterate and ignorant man, that is, poor fishermen, sending them to work for the salvation of men. He commanded them to observe poverty, to suffer persecutions and insults, and even to undergo death for the truth. This was so that their preaching might not be fabricated for the sake of earthly comfort, and that the salvation of the world might not be attributed to human wisdom or power, but only to God's wisdom and power. So we see in human weakness that rather than denigrating the power of God, that it elevates the power of God. And the same thing can be said about the incarnation, that alongside this human weakness of the flesh and of, of the soul of Christ, we see even more elevated the divine power which works through him, through the miraculous effects where, where humanity is deified in, in a sort of process of theosis that happens. Not deified in the sense that there's a mixing of natures. Very careful there. Thus, they did not lack divine power to work miracles as they appeared abject according to the world. For the restoration of man, it was necessary for men to learn not to trust proudly in themselves, but in God. For the perfection of human justice requires that men should subject themselves totally to God, from whom he also hopes to gain every good, and should thank him for what he has received. 
in order to train his disciples to despise the present goods of this world and to sustain all sorts of adversity, even done to death. There was no way better than for Christ to suffer and die. Thus he himself told them, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you too. Let's keep going. Then we must observe that in the order of justice, sin should be punished by a penalty. So he's going to argue now from justice to the suffering of Christ. We see how cases of injustice are handled in human courts, that the judge takes from the one who has too much through grabbing what belongs to another and gives it to the one who has less. Anyone who sins overindulges his appetite and it satisfies it and in satisfying it transgresses the order of reason and of divine law. For that person to be brought back to the order of justice, something that must be taken from what he wants. This is done by punishing him or by taking the goods he wanted to have or by imposing the bad things he has refused to suffer. So again, here, this is uh, just an outline of justice, which is rendering to each man according to his due. When you have, um, when you have a overindulgence in one way, uh, justice requires um, in order that there may be the restoration of that person, that that overindulgence be taken away or that the contrary be inflicted on them. This restoration of justice by penalty sometimes is done by the will of the one who is punished when he imposes the penalty on himself so as to return to justice. Other times it is done against his will, and in that case he does not return to a state of justice, but justice is carried out on him. The whole human race was subject to sin. To be restored to, to the state of justice, there would have to be a penalty which a man would take upon himself in order to fulfill the order of divine justice. But no dear man could satisfy God sufficiently by accepting some voluntary punishment, even for his own sin, to say nothing of the sin of the whole human race. For when man sins, he transgresses the law of God and tries, were he able, to do injury to God of infinite majesty. So right here, you have the human condition right here. So in our transgressing of the law of God, there needs to be the satisfaction made where, where there's a penalty which is inflicted. Um, on us to where we are brought back to the mean that is justice. But because, um, because of the greatness of, uh, of sin, because of the immensity and the wickedness really of sin, no mere man could satisfy God. And then even more so, no mere man could satisfy the sins of the whole human race. The greater the person offended, the greater the crime. We see, for instance, someone who strikes a soldier is punished more than someone who strikes a farmer, and much more if he strikes a king or prince. Therefore, sin committed against the law of God is somehow an infinite offense. So because the offense is against God, it is infinitely disordering us, um, in a sense, that there, that there is no way in which we could overcome this by natural means alone. So further... Again, we must observe that the dignity of the person making reparations is also to be considered. For example, one word of a king asking for pardon of an offense is considered greater than if someone lower went on his knees and showed any other sign of humiliation to beg pardon from the one who suffered the injury. But no mere man has the infinite dignity required to satisfy justice and offense against God, justly an offense against God. Therefore, there had to be a man of infinite dignity who would undergo the penalty for all so as to satisfy fully for the sins of the whole world. 
Notice there had to be a man of infinite dignity that the satisfaction may happen in accordance with justice. Therefore, the only begotten word of God, true God and son of God, assumed a human nature and willed to suffer death in it so as to purify the whole human race indebted by sin. Thus, Peter says, Christ himself died once and for all for sins, the upright for the sake of the guilty. So in order to keep in accordance with justice, in accordance with a realistic, um, even natural knowledge of the human state in sin and of human understandings of, of justice, that we understand justice um, as analogous to divine justice. So in accordance with this, the, the most fitting way and really um, – the only way that would be in accordance with this justice would be for the incarnation to happen, that God himself to suffer um, the, the penalty in order to bring us back to the mean of justice. So therefore, it was not fitting, as Muslims think, for God to wipe away human sins without satisfaction, or even to have never permitted man to fall into sin. That would first be contrary to the order of justice, secondly, to the order of human nature by which man has free will and can choose good or evil. God's providence does not destroy the nature and order of things, but preserves them. So God's wisdom was most evident in his preserving the order of justice and of nature, and at the same time mercifully providing man a saving remedy in the incarnation and death of his son. So the incarnation is really the solution when it comes to um, the nature of man, the order of justice, and then also the mercy of God. Okay, I'm going to wait just another like 20 seconds, see if there's any questions in the chat. And if not, then I will go. And I'm thinking um, later today, let me see my list of stuff I got to do. Later today, I will uh, do a little bit on, I'll do my metaphysics today. At least I'll try to, Lord willing. And then also I'll do some stuff on the sacraments today, I'm thinking. Okay does not look like there are any questions so thank you all for being there um, remember to subscribe and to like this video liking this video helps it get to more people and that's all i have for you god bless Lord.